Hey now, and welcome to the City Off Campus podcast with your two favorite hosts, Sammy Sommerfeld and Jack McFarland. Today we've got Iowa men's tennis player Kareem Aloft joining the pod. How's everything going with you? Good. How are you guys? We're good. Um, so when we were doing a little background on you, we saw your um, your hometown's listed as Dubai. So I wanted to ask you, how do you go from Dubai to Iowa City, Iowa? So uh, tennis is a very international sport. It's kind of like golf um, where, you know, coaches travel around the world and, you know, just try and recruit people. So I met the former assistant coach for Iowa at a tournament in Austria where there's this worldwide junior circuit where they rank you worldwide. So I was about 100 90 in the world, under 18s. And uh, after a practice, one of the coaches came up to me and said, hey, you know, we'd love for you, for you to come to Iowa. And we just Facebook messaged until I, you know, signed the NLI. So why did you choose Iowa? Were other colleges just talking to you? Or were you, was college even on your radar with tennis? Or were you planning to go pro? Right um, what was kind of the path for you to end up playing college tennis? Well, I always wanted to, you know, go get an education somewhere and, you know, obviously coming to the U.S. and playing at, you know, the highest, one of the highest levels in uh, college tennis was a big opportunity for me. So I just, it was just the best decision to go. But I did have some schools, you know, try and offer me and give me these other side deals. But I just trusted, uh, our head coach or former head coach now, Ross Wilson, he just uh, was straight up with me and honest and told me how I was going to improve and what I needed to do. And I just kind of loved Iowa. Um, I knew some of the guys from the juniors before, and they told me it was such a great place. And, you know, obviously I made the right choice. So did you always play tennis growing up or were there other sports that you played that um... – you weren't sure that you were going to take tennis the whole way. Um, so I started off with swimming and tennis. And I mean, a bit of soccer here and there, but um, my dad was an Olympic swimmer. Um, he used to get me swimming tennis a lot. I actually hated swimming. I couldn't stand it. Why? Uh, what couldn't you stand about it? I, I see, so... see, like I was, I was one of those where, like, I was like six or seven growing up, and my mom would send me to the country club and be like, "Hey, you're gonna be on the swim team." I like, I was not a swimmer by any stretch of the yeah. imagination, but like, hey, I did it. Like, what? Was that? Yeah, I was actually much better in swimming than tennis. Um, but I just thought after I traveled to my first tennis tournament, I was like this is something I want to do because in tennis, you get to go to all these places, travel internationally, play different people, play different venues. You know, when you swim, it's like you're in a pool. There's nothing really that different. And it's just repetitive the whole time. Tennis, you play people with, you know, different styles of games, different level of competitiveness. Like there's just a different fire to it. I would say. So like, how old were you when you, when you, would say that you really started seven. to take tennis seriously. Oh, uh, I started at seven, but seriously, I'd say 10. 10. 10, ten was where you know, I had to shut down most and, of my life. And was that like becoming more serious? You like 
uh, specializing in tennis and just focusing all of your time on it? Or did you like find uh, a newfound love that you really hadn't had in your childhood that you're like, man, tennis is the shit. I'm going to dive all the way in on it. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say that it was the shit, but I just found, I just found that it was my thing. I enjoyed it. You know, my dad was very passionate about it too. Um, he loved watching tennis and, you know, he was always on court with me, pushing me, you know, it's, there are obviously some bad days as a kid, but, um, you know, it was something I was good at to start with. And, you know, the more I played, the more I started to enjoy it. So, you know, I took that seriously and took out most of my childhood time. Who, who were some of your like tennis idols that you had growing up or that you would watch with your dad while you were, you know, learning the sport? Um, I mean, he would, he would make me watch Federer or, you know, all these other top guys in the past, like Safin, who was my favorite player, Marat Safin. He's retired now, but, um, you know, Djokovic, Nadal, we just watched their movement, how they hit the ball, um, you know, how they compete and fight when they were down. So just all the basic stuff, but I didn't really grow up watching a lot of tennis, but when I would, you know, I'd just be there watching how they play and how they go about their, you know, their routines and stuff. So talking about some of the guys like Djokovic and Nadal and um, some of these other greats, Andy Murray, I've seen that you've hit with some of them before and there's videos yeah. of you playing with them. What was that like to get to play with some of the guys who have been at the top of the sport for years and years and years? And were you able to pick their brain? What, just can you kind of tell us about those um, interactions and experiences? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty insane. Um, I mean, the way those guys play is a different sport, to be honest. It's like, um, you know, basically an example I'd say is, you know, going from college basketball, you know, you're playing guys that you're better than and stuff, and then pretty much the same level. And then you go out and you play, you know, play against LeBron. You know, it's a whole different world. Like, I'd say one that I struggled with the most was Nadal just the way he hits the ball is just absolutely monstrous. You know, with Djokovic, it's like you're playing with the wall, but the wall's about six feet away from you. The ball is just coming back straight away. So, you know, the way those guys, you know, do their routines, basically, you know, their whole life, you know, it's, it's pretty crazy, you know, the way they go about themselves and how professional they are and how they take care of their bodies. So from those experiences and engagements you've had with them, what have you been able to take away to apply to your game or what were you able to learn or did hitting with them bring more confidence to your game or what were some of the things you've learned from those? Um, just, honestly, I mean, I expected, I didn't expect that level of intensity to come through just because watching them on TV, you'd be like, oh, you know, I could grab a couple games off them and stuff, but you know, I actually go hit with them. It's a whole different level. And you, like the intensity just goes up big time. So I've added, you know, try and hit the ball with more intensity, move a lot quicker. Um, obviously, the discipline part was more shocking to me. How they go about their, you know, their food, how they recover, how they warm up before. Everything was like their own little process. So I took that, you know, my last two and a half years of college tennis and you know I, I saw a big change with that and 
with that change, I mean, you're, you ended your Iowa career as the all-time leader in singles wins and in doubles wins. What, you know, looking back, um, what did you expect going into your college career? And now, like, at, after it's over, like, seeing all the accomplishments you had, like, what does that mean yeah. to you? I would say first coming into college wasn't – I thought I would do well. I didn't know the exact level of college tennis when I first came in, so it was a pretty big shock. Um, I redshirted my first year. Uh, I came in pretty young at 17, and uh, so I redshirted that year. I had enough time to practice, and then um, my first year was pretty big shock. I was at number three. I did really well. And then slowly moved up to number one and two, where I played the number one player in the country at the time from Ohio State. Um, I had set points in the first set. He was like 200 in the world. He just played Nadal and, you know, the World Cup, Davis Cup, which is the World Cup for tennis. Um, so it was it was a big shock. So slowly, like, moving forward, get like, racking up wins – mid mid lineup i'd say my biggest breakthrough was uh winning regionals in 2018 i was that was where i started to believe like hey you know, you know i could you know do something with this you with talked this a little you, you talked a little earlier about it kind of like the the playing styles and just how you you receive or you react to like playing against like a Nadal or a Djokovic like how would you describe your play and how do you like attack uh, someone across from you you're going to each match um over the years it stopped I mean I stopped playing the opponent it's mostly playing the ball and how I you know go about myself so my game is usually aggressive baseliner, try and finish, take the ball early, try and, you know, suffocate the the person you're playing, not give them enough time to, you know, react. So I'd say my forehand's my biggest weapon. I try and take over the court. And, you know, my serve is a very pretty inconsistent, but when it's on, it makes everything a lot easier for me. Now, this might be like a, a cliche question and just something yeah. that like people hear all the time, but like, what is the key to a good serve? Because there's so many moving parts in it and people make it look so goddamn easy on TV. But like, what is like that? What What's the, the straw that stirs the drink with serves? Like, what do you need to get right if everything, if you need everything to work? I mean, there's a lot to it. I mean, obviously the fundamentals, I mean, needs to be perfect obviously if you're a lot taller that helps because you know your starting point is you know higher up than these guys that are you know five nine five ten that are playing so especially on the indoor court where you know it's not windy or it's not sunny and you know there's perfect conditions on a fast court indoors like you know you're going to be bombing serves left right and center and like, does the given surface like? There's obviously, I off the top of my head, I can think of. Are there three different surfaces that tennis is played on, or are there more than that? Um, so it's hard clay, grass. Um, some places, some places like England have astroturf. Um, Germany has like carpet. So I mean, there's there's a bunch, but I'd say the three main surfaces are. 
hard clay grass. And I assume it, it takes time to like get an idea of how the ball will react after each serve on yeah. it, like a different surface. It does yeah. like like as this is going to be another kind of like dumb question, but like as the match continues, and obviously like the players wear down on the court, if it's grass, clay, whatever, are there, are there little divots in the court where someone like might step hard or is it so thin that like, what I'm, what I'm trying to ask is like, is there ever a time where a ball, like a a server, a ball might take a weird bounce, like in baseball, it'll take some crazy bounce that you'll never see coming. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that happens a lot on clay. I mean, the more you play on it, usually, you know, there's like this, I don't know how you call it, but someone like measures out the court or like resurfaces it. Yeah, like they grade they grade it and level it. Yeah. yeah. So obviously when you play towards the end of the set, you know, it's kind of uneven. You know, you get a serve that bounces weird or if it hits the line, there's, you know, a little dip that goes and bounces the other way. I mean, that's just part of the game. Obviously on a hard court, you know, if you're playing on the little – older facility and you know there's some cracks or you know on the core and hits that crack you know it'll just like skid a lot faster so you know there's a lot to think about when you're playing too what do you prefer of all the courts obviously you, you listed like five there's three yeah. main ones but if you had to choose of any of them like what would you? i would say would my best on? would be outdoor hard i mean just what i grew up on i mean indoors Indoors is fine because, you know, I got used to it in Iowa, but I'd say outdoor hard is my favorite. You know, just playing the heat, 90 degrees. That's where I I What's a big difference you see in, like, playing between indoor and outdoor? It's just a lot faster. It gives people an opportunity to play better. Um, There's no bad conditions. So if you're, you know, if you're you're hot, you're playing. You're playing well. You know, outdoors, you know, it kind of brings the level – level of playing or the playing field at a you know median so you have to you know find different ways to win outdoors so this is this is a question i kind of thought of before we came on thought it'd be a little fun one if you were going into a doubles tournament any like open doubles tournament and you had the choice of picking any professional or anyone in the world that you could play tennis with not like a tennis player but anyone in the world and they could be a tennis player who would you play with with anyone in the world it can't it could be a tennis player or it could just be anyone in the world i'm leaving it open to you um that's tough i mean i just stick to tennis and be and choose who do I choose? I choose Nick Kyrgios, honestly. I don't think you guys have heard him, but heard of him. He's this Australian guy. No, I think I here. have. Yeah, I yeah. think I actually have. Is he – like, um, you... oh, my gosh. Did he – now, this is going to be bad if I know him for this. It, did he demolish a bunch of rackets one day? Like, did he uh, bang them on the ground? Or am I, mean, I thinking he's of known, someone else? He's known for that. Okay, yeah, I'm just – yeah. Um, I know there's some videos of people that are just, like, in, imprinted in my mind of them banging yeah. a racket on the ground. I mean, that's yeah. the – I mean, he's a pretty funny dude. Um, Obviously, world-class talent. He's, you know, a top 25 in the world. I'd love to play with him. You know, just pick his brain, see what he's about. But, who, yeah, that would be really fun. Who would be a non-tennis player, like a professional athlete who doesn't play tennis that you'd pick? If you had to pick in a match where it's, like – Two, two tennis players on two teams and then two non-tennis players. I know. I, I'd love to play with Kobe Bryant, but I can't do that anymore. Rest in peace. But um, I'd honestly, right now, 
if I could go back in time and choose that, I would choose Prime Jordan. See, see what, how he would do on a tennis court and how you react to losing points. I feel like that would be pretty nuts. <laughs> I think there'd be a lot of smash rackets. Yeah. Or there would be, be a lot of asking the, the yeah. judge if he can slip him a 50 and, and get an yeah. extra point or two. <laughs> yeah. I would love to hear the shit he would say. Obviously, college tennis is a little hostile, so I think he would, you know, bring it up a notch. Is it is it like vocal and hostile during like a college match? Like, is there back and forth yeah. between two yeah. people? Really? Yeah. What's what's the like? Do people cross that line, or is there still that like competitive mutual respect, or is there just still like um, people I mean, are going for blood? It depends. I mean, obviously, on the school you're playing. Um, like us in Indiana, we had a little shit show with them in so? 2018 at our place. It got pretty hectic, you know. The second, well, we didn't play them again at our place until this year. So it was there was a bunch of shit talking. I mean, here and there, you know, there's a bunch of swearing and you know, calling someone a little bitch or here and there. You know, it's just it. I mean. You know, everyone loves to shit talk. So. Yeah. yeah. My coach, Ross, used to say, you know, it's better than shit talking is to just win rather than doing all the other antics. Yeah. I used to be pretty animated with my opponents, but I kind of calmed down over the years. What, what, like, what made you calm down? Did you, just, you didn't want to be like that anymore? Or did someone say, like, hey, like, you got to uh, tone it back? I mean, my, some of my teammates would say, um, you know, I had – an incident in Minnesota where, you know, I'm not going to talk about it more, but um, yeah, that was the point where I was like, all right, I gotta, you know, stop being right. So, so what's it, what's like going from, cause this is like, I never, I never played tennis. Like I've never, I, I watched tennis casually, but like, what's like, how does your mentality change going from like set to set? And it, it going to be a really, it could be a really long match or it could be a really short match. It, it kind of just, you have to feel it out and react to it as it goes. Like, how do you, yeah. how do you keep that mental like toughness and in, in order to continue to perform at that high level constantly without Sorry. even knowing when that, like, no, you're good without even knowing like when the end is and you're kind of just playing until that happens. I mean, obviously, there's different starts, and you know, in the middle of it, you gotta, you know, reassess. Let's say I'm, you know, down a set, down a break. You know, you're not really feeling it today. You're not playing too well. Obviously, you know, there's one or two points that makes a big difference in you coming back. So just realizing those points that matter is very important. Obviously, when you're up a set, up a break, you know, what can I do? to, you know, put this guy deeper into the ground, not let him, you know, get some breathing air. So it's different. Like, you got to reassess. Obviously, if it's a tight match towards the end, you know, you're going to be like, all right, this is this point. I need it. Like, you know, if you don't win that point, you need the next point. Like, you can't really ponder, if, oh, if I won this point, you know, I would have been at this situation right now. You know, it's just – you can't you can't play mind games with yourself in a tight match. You know, just next point, move on. Like short memory. So, kind of building off of that, what's the shortest match you've ever played in terms of like minutes, hour, whatever? And then, what's the longest one you've ever played? I mean, it 
it's different. I mean, college tennis, there's no, there's no advantage or, you know, there's no long deuce games because if you, if you're on deuce in a game, it's sudden death. You just play one point. Um, obviously in professional matches or junior tournaments where there's ads and stuff and it's a lot longer. So I'd say, I mean, my shortest match probably being college would be like 40 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, like something around that area. I mean, longest match I've played would probably be be four hours on a hot day and on a clay court. So, I mean, it depends. There's, it's, it's various. So in your final season at Iowa, you went on a, what I'd call a tear winning 10 single matches and playing them at number one. Um, when you and your teammates found out the program was getting cut, what was the mentality going into your final season? Um, I mean, obviously, we had a little bit um, of distaste from the athletic department, but we try to play for ourselves. Obviously, um, it's super tough in a college atmosphere. You know, there's three main things you're playing playing for your team you're playing for your university and you're playing for yourself so we had two of that and the school aspect wasn't there you know we wore all our pink shirts and stuff and try to make you know a peaceful protest i'd say but it kind of went down the drain it was a little tough but you know there's a lot of anger and resentment towards many people that I'm not going to state, but it was hard. It was hard to, you know, on a day-to-day basis get, you know, everything going, especially for myself. It was just, it was hard for us to keep going when we'd lose or when we had a, you know, a tough run. You know, it wasn't where last year, you know, we were full on going crazy. We're number 20 in the country. Um, you know, going into Big Ten season, like one and or two and L, we're twelve and two regular season record. You know, I was. That's where we had all the right pieces. So, with that, did was this season like? Did it bring the team closer together then? Because there was kind of a. Yeah, it did, and I mean, also it kind of some people were already transferring. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, myself knowing it was over for me. Um, obviously, it wasn't the ending we wanted. But obviously, as individuals, we became a lot closer. But, I mean, some people were already checked out, transferring, you know, going their different, you know, different lives. You know, there's just a lot to think about. Like, you just got stripped away of, you know, your, your second home. Mm-hmm. So now you're out there scrambling, looking for other schools, getting these offers from other schools, like trying to figure out oh, how much scholarship I'm going to get this year. Like what's going to happen if I don't perform this season and then other schools going to think, Oh, like, why did we get this person? Like, there's a lot of playing parts to it. You know, obviously our coaches, they've both found new coaching positions, but you know, for them is also super stressful knowing that you don't have a job at the end of May or June, wherever it was, but, you know, it's just there's a lot there's a more reality aspect to it playing a season when your team is cut 
than, you know, just playing the whole way. It's just more of like a mental warfare, I'd say. Just all these things coming together. Obviously, for me, I didn't have that next step because I knew what I was going to do after. But, um, you know, it was tough. I could see myself and everyone, you know, suffering on a day-to-day basis. How did the team push through some of those struggles and some of those stressful moments where, you know, everybody's trying to figure out their place, everybody's trying to figure out the next step while trying to have their final season as Hawkeyes? I mean, we were just trying to have fun out there. We were just compete, um, play hard, you know, play for each other, uh, you know, try and be loud as possible, you know, just have fun with it because it was going to be the last ride for us. And we knew it was ending, so we just had to make the most of every match we played. When you found out that the program was getting cut, did you find out through social media, were you guys told beforehand, before this was announced to everyone, how were you told or how was the team told about this decision that was made? So I took the fall off um, last fall. I went to New York to coach like work a little bit and train there. And I found out on a text from my coach saying, hey, I'm so sorry. I can't believe they did this to us. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Uh, and I go I go on social media and Twitter and I see, you know, Iowa cuts four programs. And I was in shock. And an administrator for us um, sent me a text and obviously I was very heated. Um, a lot of, I mean, I was very enraged, I'd say. I'm not going to go into detail of what I said, but I was pretty angry. So was my teammates. I'm sure they're also heartbroken. I wasn't with them at the time, but they were there in that meeting where uh, Gary Barta came for five minutes and uh, told everyone that their program was getting cut. So I think that was pretty bad. I We haven't heard from him since. Wow. So he hasn't said a word or, you know, congratulated anyone or for their, you know, for their time at Iowa or thanking them. So it's a little bittersweet. Um, I hope his contract doesn't renew in the in 2021. So I don't know. It's kind of hard to put it into words, but every time I think about it, it's just distasteful. So what are you up to now after Iowa? What are you What are you doing weekly, daily basis? What are you doing now? Uh, I've taken an extended break now. I mean, I've just been working out every day, uh, coaching on the side. Uh, I still have my master's to finish. I'm going to stay in Iowa for another year. Um, once I get back, I'm in New York right now, so once I get back from there, I'm going to start training again, you know, start playing some pro tournaments. But that's all I've been up to. So, so like, how often do, like, pro tournaments happen? Like, what, what's, like, a, a, a basic, like, if you were in playing time everything right now, like, how often would one be? What would your, like, break time be between each one? What, what is that? I look mean, like? it would be, like, three tournaments in a three-week span and probably take a week off, two weeks off of, like, tournaments. You just practice and then go to the next tournament. I mean, it's kind of like golf. There's all these, like, small circuits that build up into the, you know, Grand Slams or the Masters and stuff like that. So it's kind of the same concept 
but you know golf is more built for success i'd say tennis is you know you're either at the top you know having most of the pie or you know you're down there trying to get you know all the leftovers so it's kind of like a jungle playing professional tennis where's where's been your favorite place that you've ever played so far any Uh, tournament lots I would say – But you can give a top three if there's a ton then. I won't, I I won't break it down to one. I'd say my favorite places to play would be Qatar, beautiful courts, great place. Um, I would say Iowa City outdoors in the summer would be one of my favorite places. And uh, well, I'd say back home too. Back home. I played one junior tournament there, and I thought, you know, it was the best place to play because I just grew up my whole life playing on those courts. What what kind of conditions or what kind of court do you just, like – or have you been to one where you just – you just don't – like, you don't feel right there? Is there ever a feeling where you just don't feel like – you don't feel, I don't know, comfortable because of just how the court is? Uh, one instance or one court or venue that I – absolutely was terrible at was indoor clay it was kind of like the sides were open and there was only a top and it was just raining the whole time and there was like rain kind of blowing into the side of the court and the lighting was terrible and I just felt like I was fucking stumbling everywhere so it was pretty bad yeah that wait so wait 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 There was only a top, like yeah. so. It was like a tent almost, like it was, it was like structurally. It like yeah. looks like, and then yeah. it was just coming in through the insides, yeah. all like the misting yeah. and everything. Yeah, that sounds like the worst yeah. structure. It's tough. Yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, I mean, somewhere in the middle of Austria, I forgot what the place was called, but I mean, the courts were super nice outdoors. The indoor courts were kind of just like an emergency thing. So it was right. raining that day. It was my first round, and. Uh, didn't didn't go too well, but you know. So, do you have any like pre-match superstitions or anything that you have to c- continue to do, or you just you go? It's just no, I, just, I just go. I mean, just warm up, hit for thirty minutes, intensely get a good sweat in, you know, listen to some good music, not eat too much before. I like to come in a little hungry, but that's it. I don't. I don't have a specific routine. Just make sure. I'm loose. My body's ready and, you know, ready to go. What's the pre, pre-match um, playlist? Just a lot, a lot of hip-hop, a lot of pump-up, rap, I'd say. You know, just, just get it going. A little Drake, I mean, J. Cole, all these other rappers. I mean, try and get myself going. No, I'm good. No. Okay. Well, Kareem, we can't thank you enough for taking the time and do this. Obviously, it's a ton of fun to learn about a sport that I don't, like, watch a ton. I'm a casual tennis yeah. fan. I remember last year – I think it was last year there was uh, there was that big – it was it was Federer and Nadal. I don't know what tournament it was, but they had a really, really good match. And I watched the entire thing. It was, like, the first tennis match I've watched all the way through, and I was like, man – seeing tennis at its highest, like highest level is unbelievably yeah. impressive. And to just learn more about the sport for my own selfish, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. So I can't thank you enough for talking to us, taking the time. 
Uh, as always, not the same time, same place. We will see you guys later.